You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Vitaly. He is the co-founder and COO of StackAdapt, a programmatic advertising platform that powers hundreds of marketing agencies and brands to advertise across native, display, video, and connected TV devices using machine learning. StackAdapt is one of the fastest growing tech companies in Canada. It's been four times on Deloitte's Fast 50 list and twice on the Globe and Mail list of top growing companies. Vitaly co-founded the company alongside and I'm going to say his name wrong, and you're going to have to say their names. Ildar and Yang. <laughs> Perfect. And you've seen it from his kitchen to over 250 people that it is today. Thank you so much for being here. Darian, thanks so much for having me. Very excited. Right. So where would I have felt the presence of, or where would I have seen the presence of, the fruit of Stack Adapt's work? Give me kind of like, I wake up in the morning, I open my laptop. Give me kind of a, an everyday human's experience with your company. Yes, because we work, our clients are other businesses, I don't think an average person would even know about our existence. No, they just interact not. with the products that are delivered by us. Yes, yes, yes. The fruit of your labor. Yeah, so they could maybe listen to a podcast and get a personalized advertisement. Or they maybe see... In the pre-roll, for those that run programmatic pre-roll ads. Yeah, exactly. For podcasts that have those programmatic ads, or yep. whether they watch a streaming TV, or yes. they browse their mobile phone and see the ad. So a lot of those ads... <laughs> are delivered by StackAdapt's technology. Okay. And so I'll give you an example. So I wake up in the morning, I'll, I'll maybe listen to a podcast, and so I'll give you all the hits in the day so I could get a pre-roll because my podcast decided to go with a podcast host that allows pre-roll programmatic ads. So that would be something you delivered. I'll put on global TV streaming app, like the app on my Apple TV or on my smart TV, and I get three of the same pre-roll ads from BCIT maybe, or, or maybe it's different ads. Sometimes it's the same ads. But you would have delivered that to that smart TV and then I'm walking, say, to work. I open up my laptop and sign up the display ads that are around different websites like Daily Hive or other ones like that. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So how would it differentiate between like there's ad roll and Google's remarketing ads or Google's display network? Where do you kind of stand or, or your relationship to them? I think the, the reason why advertising business is so big, I think it's about, it's going to approach about trillion dollars in the next couple of years. And it's because there's so much competition for attention, so many companies nowadays that everybody is looking just constantly to find new ways to get customers. And like with marketing and advertising, it's such a difficult area that there's just not one solution that will work equally well for everybody. So, you know, when you mention AdRoll, for example, they're specialists in retargeting, for example. With Google, you obviously have search. You know, with StackAdapt, it's really about open internet. So being able to very easily onboard your own data, advertise across multiple devices, and really orchestrate these ad experiences across multiple channels. So it's just a more advanced platform than your, your typical GDN, Google Display Network, for example. So we typically work with larger customers as a consequence. Amazing. So what would be like a brand you work with? What would be like a starting price? Be like, man, don't, you probably don't want to have a conversation unless you have a budget of X per month or X per year. Yeah, so we think about it from a perspective of what they do already. You know, we have enough brands that we've worked with before where they're just not a very sophisticated and digital right now. So it's not often tied to dollars or company size. It's more about people that they have in the company. If they only, for example, run Facebook and Google, 
and they've never done programmatic, typically the leap is pretty large. So most of our clients that come to us, they already do programmatic and they're looking to do it better. But I would say the overall market's understanding of digital is still pretty, pretty rudimentary. So for them, Stack it up in our capabilities is a little bit too much. It's not an entry point into digital advertising. Okay, so I think most listeners, and, and I think anyone would really know what a Google search ad is. We've known it. You search for something, it's the ads in the top of the thing. We know Facebook ads. We know its powers and its abilities and it's how precise it can be. We know remarketing ads. You know, every airline, every shoe company now uses it. I remember when it first came out, it was so surprising. And I remember my dad calling me like, I saw your ad on this website. That's amazing. Right? And now it's kind of, nah. you know, we know YouTube ads, kind of the pre-roll before I think. We know podcast ads. So tell me about programmatic, because I feel like it's a word and it's a world that's often been foggy and people have never explained it really well. And then when you do hear about it, it's usually from like ICA, ACA, one of those acronyms of an association that's saying there's all these fraud, there's all this fraud happening in programmatic, watch out. So I want to hear it from like a positive, maybe explain it to me like I'm five. What is programmatic explaining it to a five-year-old? Yeah, so I have a three-month-old, so explaining anything to him will be very difficult, but I'll pretend that he is five. <laughs> so programmatic is simply a fancy word of saying technology-enabled. So if in the past you wanted to place an ad on a website, you may have to pick up a phone, call yes. the publisher, yeah. and negotiate a deal. And, and there's still some play. sites that do that. There's still some that yeah, say, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of that is still actually handled that way. And it's a perfectly good strategy for a lot of companies and certain strategies if you want to create something really custom. So that's, you know, imagine you have a brand and you just want it to align so well with a met, like with a tone and maybe the, the editorial team of the publisher wants to create it. Something like that. You want to work with them very closely. But for yeah. many brands, what they really care about is driving sales, driving results. Yes. And programmatic, because it's technology enabled, you can get the benefits of what technology brings to the table. So ability to process a ton of data, ability to make decisions really, really fast, ability to use scale technologies like machine learning to make optimizations and decisions. And programmatic is almost synonymous to the idea of real-time buying or audience buying. So in programmatic, Instead of serving an ad basically to everybody on the website, you're able to cherry pick only individual users that you want to reach. And that obviously drives a ton of efficiencies. And as a consequence, almost 90% of all media buying right now happens in a programmatic environment. Because 90%? Yeah, you know, almost 90%. It's massive. Just to jump back one quick thing. When you say programmatic, you look at it like a tent. Under the tent of programmatic, would Google, Facebook, Instagram, and you know, Pinterest and LinkedIn be under that tent or are they in a separate party tent? Yeah, I would put them in the same tent as programmatic. They just operate, as they call them, walled gardens. So yeah. they have very tight control over data, how people can actually buy those ads. Like open internet programmatic, so ability, for example, to buy on New York Times, mm -hmm. it has a lot more flexibility. So you can bring your own data, you can do a lot more with it versus running ads, for example, just on Instagram or Facebook or AdWords. And that's the value. Is it because like, when I personally go on NewYorkTimes.com, New York Times knows because of my browsing history, I'm on a Chrome browser, they know about my age because I'm logged into my Chrome browser with my Gmail, they know enough about me, then Stack It App's like, oh wow, Darian Kovacs at this IP with this information about him is now logged in. So what you said is correct. There's just a lot of data flowing, but who actually sees that data is controlled. So for example, if you're logged in, for example, on 
Chrome, for example, and you see an AdWords ad, that's obviously delivered to you based on your search. Mm -hmm. But if you, for example, come to New York Times and if you see a StackAdapt ad, that could be served to you based on data that we have about you. So that data could be purchased from a third party. So for example, maybe we work with a third party company that tells us, Darian, for example, bought this type of shoes 30 days ago. They might be interested in some other complementary product. Or maybe we have our own data on you where we say, okay, we actually seen Darian, for example, visit our client's website. So we can deliver him follow-up message, for example, to come back, kind of retargeting. Who are they? Who would some of them be? Like maybe name a couple that would that sells this. Data is is just uh, fuels everything, right? And for example, companies even like Mastercard, they mm-hmm. anonymize data and they sell it to marketers. But there's so many other companies. And when know. they sell it, will it have like like let's say I bought something with a Mastercard, I bought a pair of shoes. Will will then the data they sell say, okay, here's my IP, here's a bit about me. I won't say my name, but it'll say all my information about me. So then Frankie Shoes out of, say, Toronto buys that, and then they run programmatic ads. I'm like, oh, Darian already bought a pair of shoes. He's probably interested in more shoes. And our programmatic data block says that he wants this. Exactly, yeah. So I don't obviously know exactly how they handle it on their end, and every data company handles data differently, of course. And a Canadian ones versus American ones, right? Are yeah, exactly. There's obviously different privacy regulation, but also just even in general, how they aggregate this data is different, right? And at times, they might bundle it in a cohort so that there's absolutely no way to reverse engineer and find individual user. Yeah. Some companies where maybe data is less sensitive, maybe they feel more comfortable just selling individual cookie data, for example. Wow. So like building a platform that works with so many different types of companies and industries, yeah. we almost have to just isolate each industry individually and focus and say, okay, what are the solutions that we're building for, for example, for healthcare? Yeah. How do we approach handling data? How do we approach working with those types of clients? And it's going to be very different than with consumer or retail brands and education and so forth. So you know, now we got to the stage where we have a lot of internal resources where we can have dedicated specialists and people around solutions that can really package and build capabilities suitable for each individual vertical. So if a brand doesn't buy that data from a third party, can they still use StackAdapt? And is it yeah, useful? Yeah, for sure. And how can they run StackAdapt without third party data? Yeah, so they can rely on just StackAdapt's targeting capabilities. So okay. for example, most recently, we launched our, it's called Page Context AI, contextual advertising solution, which we see a huge potential for because, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about deprecation of cookies potentially. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The cookies, your cookie monsters eating them up. They're going away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of privacy regulations like CCPA, GDPR, potentially yeah. more privacy regulations coming in the future. So that solution, for example, doesn't rely on audience based targeting. So it delivers message in the moment when you actually reading some content. So instead of, for example, going to the website and you know, looking at the shoes and you didn't buy them, and then kind of being retargeted, say, mm-hmm. 30 days later, well, maybe you bought those shoes at the retailer, or yeah. maybe you're not interested in those shoes anymore. But with contextual, you can be kind of in the moment when you're actively reading about you know, that specific pair of shoes or when you're researching competitive brands. And we don't store any data on those users, so... So it's very privacy and like user privacy centric, but because it allows to deliver a message in a very timely manner, like in that purchase decision, it actually works really, really well too. 
So the question is, I want to know is, how do you have access to this information versus like Johnny down the road? What have you guys done to get all this information that you can know so much about people and their internet you know, habits? It's pretty safe to say that most people overestimate how much data about them is out there. Obviously, yeah. there's some companies that hold on to very sensitive data. Yes. But we, we as a company take very active steps not to take or process that data. Yeah. We restrict what sort of data can you upload on Stack Adapt. Yeah. And even if you, for example, imagine you're an e-commerce store, you have a yeah. bunch of clients, you want to target them with ads. Uploading them on Stack Adapt, we don't actually process that data because we don't want to touch email data, for example. So it's getting hashed on a browser level and we pass it over to our partners, LiveRamp, where that actually matching happens. So for us, it's very important to, to stay kind of at, almost at arm's length when it comes to processing really sensitive data. So we rely on non-personally identifiable data like cookies, IP, device ID, and so forth. And how do you get access to that information? People's well, IPs, people's cookies. Yeah, so, so to your point, Joe from the street, well, yeah. we had to build infrastructure to actually process that, that data. So we work with companies. So with a buying platform, we don't work with publishers directly. So the way an ad shows up on their property is through an ad exchange. So it's basically like a, a supply, uh, or like a, how would I, I explain to five-year-old? Basically the sellers of ad mm-hmm. in, inventory. And we're the buyers. So they're the uh-huh. ones that actually render the ad on, the, for example, New York Times. Yeah. And in order for them to receive an ad or a bid, they need to basically send that request to us with that data, for example, saying this user coming from this specific website. Oh, with... so the ad exchange entities have all that crazy data. Exactly. And then uh... they pass it to us, we interpret it, yes. and then respond with an ad. So we hire Stack it up because you're the interpreter. So someone could go directly to an ad exchange. Yeah, exactly. You described it perfectly. I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. Like the value of Stack it up is making sense out of that data and aggregating it. So we work with about 50 exchanges and Okay. And are some better than others? Depends on how you define better than others, yeah. but like different exchanges are maybe focused on different things. So for example, there are exchanges that are more focused on audio inventory. There are some oh, exchanges okay. focused on connected TV. And so how do audio exchanges, who creates those and how do they get their data? Do you know that much or is that a question for them? Certainly a question to them, but in theory, it works the same way as for other ad formats. So for us, you know, as a company, when we started, we only focused on native advertising, which is... Mm-hmm. Basically, ad formats that look and feel like part of the website, but... Like articles, like advertorials. Except they click out to the brand page. Yeah. And we expanded into other formats like display, video, connected TV. So it was pretty easy for us to expand into those channels because the fundamental principle doesn't change. It's still transacted in a programmatic environment. So the, the systems work the same. So our targeting works the same. Our optimization works the same. So it was a logical step for us to continue expanding into other channels too. But you rely on those ad exchange data, information, and their ability to buy, correct? Yeah, exactly. Like We have to have these partnerships. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't have access to a specific publisher. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. You're saying there's about 50 ad exchanges you work with. Is there one that's the biggest of the 50? And are you seeing them merging right now or begin to work together? Or are you just saying there's 50 that are really doing very niche things? Obviously, there's some big names, you know, like a couple of com- uh, public companies, like, for example, Magnite. They do a lot of video and audio. Obviously, companies like Google, Google's AdX, which is a supply yeah. pot piece. So you would be, ad- Google would be one of your Google ad exchanges that you buy from and get data from. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you don't rely solely on Google. So you're saying, hey, Google's one of 50. And there's other ones that are out there that maybe are as good, if not better than Google. Google just happens to be one of the 50 we work with. Yeah, for us, we just are pretty agnostic. We just look at where can we access the best placements on the website in the most cost-effective way. And we invest a lot of effort. Like We have an entire inventory team that's basically all they do is just optimize the supply path of how do we actually get our clients' ads on the publisher websites. And that happens by very rigorously testing different exchanges, testing different inventory, and continuously optimizing. And I'm sure there's new ones that come to the table, you give them a trial and then realize, man, they're sketchy. Let's get rid of that exchange. At this stage, you know, we pretty much work with everybody we want to work with. There's still a couple that maybe we haven't had a chance to work with. But a lot of work right now is really around just optimization of what we have already. Yeah. But to your point, you know, when we onboard a new exchange, you know, we have systems to test it before yeah. so we don't have to run just ads and then yes, learn yes. it that way. Yeah, make sure you because you want to make sure there's no fraud. There's no you want fraud, right? Exactly. You want to sell fraud. Okay, so here's a big one. So when I'm going around, what's the little you know, little A that shows up in those ads that I see? And it's ad, ad choices. choices. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that and, and your relationship with them. So with ad choices, the idea is to bring more transparency for the user around actually who is responsible for delivering an ad. So okay. AdChoice is an important initiative yeah. that basically gives users an ability to opt out, for example, from interest-based advertising where they know yeah. who is responsible for delivering a specific ad. Okay, that's amazing. And so now just with you know all the stuff with Apple, right? Where you know, I updated my Apple and it's saying, hey, I don't want to give my information away anymore. So I'm sure there's ad exchanges right now and cookies going away that are just freaking out because it was you know, huge chunks of their data is missing. And are you seeing that? Are you seeing them freaking out? Or are you saying them like, no, we're adapting. We're going to make this work. I mean, everybody has to make it work. You know, yeah. I've been in digital advertising industry for the past yeah. 10 years. I've seen yeah. so many different things yeah. happen. And Remember Adblock, adapted? when Adblock was a big thing and everyone's freaking out? Everyone's going to download Adblock, but no one <laughs> yeah. took the time to download it. Yeah. And then DuckDuckGoose, am I saying that right? DuckDuck? Or, you know, everyone's like, everyone's going to yeah, use yeah. DuckDuck. But everyone loves Chrome and everyone loves their Internet yeah. Explorer for some reason. Yeah, and Adblock actually, interestingly, is going down. The percentage of people mm-hmm. installing yeah. it is actually going down, So, yeah. which is an interesting trend. And certainly, you're absolutely right. You know, when it was about maybe 2015, you know, I was, I was nervous. I was like, okay, yeah. what does that mean for our industry? Oh, yeah. But I think at this point, the industry is so big and so important just because, you know, for example, some identifiers go away and you're not able to leverage them for targeting. It doesn't mean that people will stop advertising or mm-hmm. they will go back to traditional ways of advertising. You know, the genies out of the box digital is where the attention is. Yeah. And and that's the most important part. You know, like sure, you can buy traditional TV, but that's not where people are. And for yeah. the advertisers, it's all about chasing the eyeballs and they are totally. in digital right now. So here's my question on Google. So Google owns Chrome. They've got Google search, Google.com, Google.ca, they've got Gmail. So how are they not like the biggest, best 
Google, you know, the Google Exchange Network? How are they not like the king of it all? I mean, they're a pretty successful company, <laughs> without but, but, uh, a in, doubt. In the programmatic Google Exchange world, where you go and buy, right? Like you go to the stock market and buy, right? Let's just look at it. How is not like ninety percent of your buy happening with Google as the exchange versus all the other ones, the other forty-nine that are lesser known names? I don't know if I can answer that question. I <laughs> I think it's just really hard for one company to to do it all. Like they're one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And they're really strong in some areas, but I think one company cannot do it all. Okay. They're obviously, they're the king of search. Like the, yes. the whole search advertising is basically Google AdWords. L- little Bing, right? Little Bing, little there. Bing maybe, yeah. Uh, but when you start going outside of it and yeah. start looking at more like enterprise-grade solutions, yeah. it's becoming a different ball game. So I think for Google, they just make majority of their money from platforms like AdWords, where it's like, yeah. you know, they have millions of advertisers and everybody advertises on AdWords. Yes. But once they want to scale up, they just need a completely different set of tools. And we as a company, we just invest so much in building these tools that, you know, in a narrow scope, we can actually outperform. Because you've got the translation tools instead of someone going right to the ad exchange. Place. Yeah, we're a very focused company. You know, we're yeah. almost 300 people right now, and you know, Incredible. we just have very, very focused effort. <laughs> and in that way, that that's how we can win is if we just take one thing and do it better than everybody else. And w- which is a good comparison to Google. They've spread themselves. They've like Gmail. They got Chrome. You know, so you're saying is, hey, they're probably not the best buying place because they're so good at so many other things. YouTube. Right, that they owned. Yeah. yeah. So YouTube is a unique example because YouTube can only be bought through Google. But outside of YouTube, the internet is so massive still. So yeah. there's a lot of growth for companies like ours. So you may not know this answer, and maybe this is a question for one of those exchange places, which would be great to have them on the show sometime. Maybe you could recommend one or yeah. two that you think are really smart and awesome. How do they get the data from, say, my computer? Like me... Joe Blow, and then my wife. My wife has a separate laptop. How do they know the difference between my wife and I and our smart TV? Where do they, and my cell phone, how do they get those data points to the ad exchange that you then buy from? So maybe my uh, technical expertise is not deep enough to explain all the ins and outs of it. Yeah. I think it really depends on the device that you're talking about. So So I'm I'm on a MacBook Pro, I've got an iPhone, I've got an Apple TV at home. It's actually funny, if they're all Apple products, I'm saying right now. And then my wife, she's on a MacBook Air. Yeah, so every device have a unique identifier attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever you're within a browser, those yes. identifiers, I mean, as part of just the way the pages are loaded, that information is shared with whatever websites that you're actually loading. Okay. So in the context of connected TV, obviously, you can't separate yourself wife from your wife because it's yeah, just yeah, yeah, one yeah, device. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like the interesting part about different channels, even though we talk about you know, connected TV, display, native as like almost interchangeable, but they're really different because the way people interact with those channels is very, very different. I've got a bit of a bone to pick with connected TV. Like my wife and I were trying to like, you know, free global TV app. I'll we'll try to watch like Amazing Race Canada. And on every commercial break, it's literally the same commercial and sometimes literally the same commercial two or three times in a row. And to the point where like, we actually start to dislike that company because it's mm-hmm. so annoying. And I'm like, yeah. at the very least, switch up your ads or don't do it three times in a row. Like It was like RVing, BCIT, and I can't remember what the other one was, but it was like, man, to the point where we actually went to Apple TV and bought the season of Amazing Race because we were so tired of those ads. Yeah, but if they got I, I, smarter, I feel your pain. I yeah. feel your pain, absolutely. You know, that's the whole idea. Is like programmatic gives a lot more power 
to the yeah. buyers, you know, yes. advertise ad buyers. Yeah. But it needs to come with guidance because yes. you're absolutely yes. right. If you work directly Which is your with your role, you're the guide, you're the translator, stack adapt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you need to control frequency. Yep. Or else the opposite happens. I begin to dislike those companies. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Jumping back to my devices in my house. Forget the Apple TV, but my laptop right now. I've been on maybe ten websites this morning. How does it get from my laptop to that desk? So you can use basically, for example, identifiers like IP. So if you're yeah. using Wi-Fi, yeah, um, I'm on Wi-Fi. I'm on my that, office Wi-Fi. Yeah. So you know those are connected to the same network. Okay, but how does the desk get that information from off my computer? Like, how do they pull it, or do they pull it? Do they grab it? Do they buy it from? Shaw, so it's like, not or buying, it's just, it just exists there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't technically explain. But do you think they go around and they just pull it? They just get it from the internet? Like they just pull it down off the internet waves? Or where are they? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I can't unfortunately explain. That's okay. You don't 100%. know. That's okay. But we, we got to figure that out because we should find out how they get it because you're buying it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're buying mangoes, but you don't know how they're getting the mangoes, how they grow them. You know how they're grown in theory, but how do they get from the mango tree to the basket that you buy. That's what I want to know. The person who plucks the mango, I thought I had mangoes protected on my computer, but what you're saying is mangoes are pulled off the tree, off my computer, and you buy it. That process I'm so curious about. So to your mango analogy... Someone I, must I, know, though. Someone from those buying that, they must know. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, unfortunately, I'm, I'm just not technical enough to be able to explain that's okay. the ins and outs of it. But that's the information that is being used when it comes to actually loading the website. Yeah. So that information is needed by your browser in order for you to actually load the content. Which and is in amazing. that content, yeah. that's when the advertisement is actually loaded. So if it comes basically with the same information that comes with the loading of the website. Because totally. I understand Google Analytics, and I love analytics. I love diving into my Google Analytics and so much information, right? And, and sadly, less and less information as time goes on, but you get some great data and some great information. But what you're selling and translating and helping people with, like that data is incredible, is what you're saying. And so it's just more like I can wrap my head around analytics. I can wrap my head around Facebook, what they know about me, because I told them all sorts of stuff because I thought Facebook was free, but really I'm paying for it with giving all my information away. Um, <laughs> yeah. Our mission then, between this month, we're going to find a buying desk person that's willing to come on the show and we're going to find out how the mangoes are processed. <laughs> yeah, sounds Does that sound good. good? Okay, good. This, this is amazing. For both our reasons, and, and all of our listeners' reasons. That would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. This is so cool. This is so cool. So, okay, because the other thing is, to flip side, so here's a crazy fact for you. So TV and radio, like traditional TV, like Shaw, like cable TV and radio that you listen to in your car, the way they get the information, the Canadian standard is literally from physical books still. So they're mm-hmm. still using these physical books that people have to, like they chose a random group of people across Canada to fill in these books and tell them about their TV watching habits, their radio listening habits, and then they supply that information to the mothership, like physically, once a month, and then that's the data that then goes to like CTV, Bell, you know, like Rogers, and then they're like, hey, here's the buying radio habits and the TV habits of Canadians right across the country. And I'm, exactly. I'm still it's- amazed that they're using pen and paper for that still. Exactly, and that's why, for example, we're seeing such a big opportunity with connected TVs. Because isn't that crazy, though? That data, I finally figure out how that works, and I'm. But I've yet to see a copy of that book, so I'm trying to track down anyone who's got a copy of that book. If their grandma or their mom or their aunt is one of those volunteers across the country, I don't know if they're even paid or not, 
but I would love to see a screenshot or a photo of that book, please. And so in your business, because that for some reason is very difficult to find out, is how do we get that mango off my Apple TV, my smart TV, my MacBook Air, you know, my wife's MacBook Air, my MacBook Pro. We're going to find that out. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's obviously people that know exactly the intricacies of how that mango gets to the shopping cart. You know, it's me, probably more my, sophisticated than pen and paper, though, right? Let's be on the same oh, page about that. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's why it works so much better. Yeah. So I'll give you a case example. So we have a school here. We're like a, you know, much like ER, Grey's Anatomy. We're a, you know, like a teaching hospital. We're a teaching agency. And so if I know someone is considering other schools and they've been to those websites, the beauty of what you do is you can say, man, I know of 5,000 people that have been to these higher education training websites and you want to market those 5,000 people. You might have missed them on Google search. You might have missed them in other ways, but I know how to get them because I know their browser history is essentially what you're helping people do. You're like a guide for browser history. I wouldn't call necessarily browser history, but we basically work with clients to help them it's a lot more than just one thing that we help them yeah. do. Yeah, and you can use like all these data points, browser history, maybe you figure out what their age. and Yeah, so it's like it's really working with what they have already. So if yeah. they're sitting on a lot of data, you know, yeah. being able to really activate this data, yeah. if, if they help them make those connections to, for example, third-party data providers. You know, what we're seeing is that every business is so much more complex. Like yeah. most businesses are a lot more complex that yes. require... Not just one thing. So yeah. they look for a lot of different audience strategies, a lot of different device strategies. And with a company, obviously we have software that can be used mm-hmm. to buy that, but we yeah. have teams that help them basically make sense out of how to set up the software in a way that would produce the best results for them. Man, you've been amazing. Okay, we don't have enough time to do our full rapid-fire questions. Thank you so much for sharing. This has been an amazing discovery, learning. I've learned so much. We're going to keep learning more. You and I are going to learn together. Yeah. and we're gonna I, find I out. wish I was able to answer your question no, better. No, about you, the, I like um, that you couldn't because it means we have an excuse to talk to one of those ad exchange desk people that you know of. They'll probably answer your call or email anytime because you buy so much from them. And they'll come on the show and we'll find out how the mango is processed. Yeah. Yeah, for um, me, I'm just focused on how does that mango... Yeah. solve people's problems. How yes, does yeah, yeah, exactly. satisfy the hunger? No, totally. Which is amazing. Which is so, and then the great thing about you, though, is that you're like a professional mango chef. So like, I could go and buy mangoes myself, but I don't know if I want firm or if I want soft. Do I want big mangoes, small mangoes? You're that guy that says, okay, here's how to take your existing ingredients from your house, your company, and mix it with the mango to have the best mango salad ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me okay. and our maybe account managers. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. Perfect, perfect. Okay, yeah. we're going to switch gears here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And one day in person, we'll eat a mango salad together and celebrate that was uh, great. <laughs> how helpful this was. What is a marketing book you'd recommend? Honestly, I'm yet to read one marketing book that yeah. like really stands out to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. No, that's great. Yeah. But there's so a lot of other business books in general that I'm a big fan of. What's a business book that you'd recommend? Zero to One by Peter Thiel. And the second one is Hard Thing About the Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. So those two things are probably my two favorite books. Amazing. Podcast that you recommend? Uh, A16Z. Hey, what is that one about? It's Anderson Horowitz uh, podcast. It's a VC out of the Valley. And uh, they run a podcast about bleeding edge technology. It's really good. Amazing. Newsletter or website you recommend for resources and inspiration? I like to visit Saster, saster saster.com. Yeah. So it's a community of SaaS executives. Yeah. I like that website. It's amazing. Last thing that you Googled? 
I don't know exactly, but probably something related to um, the meaning of words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. What is a life hack you'd be willing to share? Uh, cutting out alcohol. That was yeah. okay. a big productivity boost. <laughs> just a all around <laughs> fitness hack. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. This is amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. How can people find you on the internet and how can they get connected to Stack Adapting and start using it and learning more about what your company can provide for their brand? Yeah, for sure. So obviously Stack Adapt is stackadapt.com. Myself, two best way to find me either on LinkedIn yeah. or on my website, vitalipicherski.com, where I write occasionally. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. I'm excited for part two. And listeners, we've got lots more to learn. And this was amazing. So thank you for being here again. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time on Marketing News Canada. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.